Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Shaw. Alex Wolf has the day off. And today, continuing our NFL crossover series, we are joined by the host of Locked On Giants, Patricia Trena. Patricia is also the editor at GiantsCountry.com, part of Sports Illustrated, the author of Big 50 Men and Moments That Made the New York Giants. We will get into so, so much about the season, whether this is a make or break year for David Gettleman. Daniel Jones, and what to expect from Saquon Barkley and the defense. All that and more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are locked on Knicks. I am Gavin Shaw, a resumed play-by-play broadcaster. Got into our first high school football game of the season yesterday. But now we're going to talk about a little bit of a bigger league, the NFL. Alex covered the Jets with John Butchko yesterday, in case you missed that. And today we are taking on the New York Giants with Patricia Trena. She is the editor of GiantsCountry.com, part of Sports Illustrated. Um, she is the author of Big 50, Men and Moments That Made the New York Giants. And of course, she is the host of the best Giants podcast in the world, Locked on Giants. Patricia, how's it going? I was just asking you, but I feel like as much as there's excitement for the first basketball game of the year, when you know there's 82 of them coming, it's inevitably a little bit muted. You, you sort of know what to expect of your team a bit more, though the Knicks were a massive surprise last year, than you do in football. I feel like the NFL, and I guess college football as well, are sort of unique in that it's this sort of amazing surprise in week one. And I feel like there's no other sport that has the same amount of hype for that first game. So all that being said, how, how excited are you to finally get to the season? Oh, always excited. I mean, it's a new season. Everybody is pretty much zero and zero, except for, you know, obviously Tampa and and, uh, Dallas who played on Thursday night. But, you know, you're filled with hope and all kinds of, you know, dreams of what the season can become. So um, I'm excited about it. I'm hoping that the Giants will finally be able to put some stuff together and do some things that we haven't seen them do in in quite some time. And uh, also, it's something different to talk about. It's something different to write about. And um, I'm ready to get it going. Yeah, I, I am too. I'm I'm really, really excited with with this whole new group of pass catchers that they've assembled. I, I just feel like in so many ways, this is a defining year for this era of Giants football and whether or not it will continue along the same path or, or maybe divert to a starkly different one next season, depending on how this goes. And, and that's, that's sort of where I'm headed with this first question. Is this ultimately a make or break year for David Gettleman, I, I just think it, it's going to be fascinating to watch in real time how his decisions both in this year's draft and, and the last couple aged throughout this year. Obviously, we're, we're going to get to see um, Devontae Smith on Philly, who we just missed out on at some points this year. We're going to see Justin Fields at some point this season. We're going to see Mac Jones right away, who both of whom he decided to pass on in favor of keeping Daniel Jones. We're going to see if the offensive line is finally figured out, which, which is, is sort of Part, I, at least in my mind, part of the reason he was brought in because he, he was the guy who was going to fix that. That has not happened in his first couple of seasons. Do you see it that way or do you think things can continue? The Giants can sort of just take either like a little step forward or, or sort of stay on the same level as last season and his job isn't in any particular danger. Yeah, I think this year uh, it is a make or break season. I mean, the Giants spent a lot of money in the offseason to upgrade this this offense. 
and this defense. And um, I don't know if you remember, but a few years ago, they did the same thing and they temporarily bought themselves a reprieve. This was done under, done under Jerry uh, Reese, the previous general manager. And they, they, in 2016, they finished, I think it was 11 and five. They made it to the playoffs, but they didn't advance. You know, they were one and done in the wild card round. And the situation kind of reminds me of this year and that, you know, they spent all this money on, on, you know, Kyle Rudolph on Kenny Galladay, you know, they, they added a, a Dory Jackson, a cornerback. So when a team usually does that, that means that they're trying to take a shortcut or they're trying to get a mulligan on something that they missed out on. And uh, it's a dangerous way to try to build a franchise because eventually it crumbles as we saw what happened in 2016. And it also, they tried to do it, I think in 2014 and it didn't have any success. So this is a big gamble. It needs to pay off. You know, they've got patches over some major holes on the roster and we'll see if the patches hold the water out, you know, from, from uh, sinking the ship. I, I have my doubts about it, but you know, that said, it's, it's all about bringing in the right guys. And if these guys stay healthy and, like you said, if the offensive line performs and above all, Daniel Jones needs to step up. I mean, I don't feel we're talking enough about him this summer. Uh, I think the Giants can can do some things, make some noise in this division, you know, especially in a weak NFC East division. It looks like it's going to be another weak one. And Dave Gettleman needs this because if they flop, if they underachieve, he's out after this year. Yeah, so let, let's get right into it with Daniel Jones because I, I've always thought I, I always question teams that draft a quarterback and then don't immediately devote all their resources to getting him the best possible help, whether it's wide receiving talent, whether it's pass protection talent, and, and you can certainly argue whether the Giants have achieved that on their offensive line for Daniel Jones. You, you cannot argue that they have stacked an arsenal for him at wide receiver. With your point, with Kenny Galladay, with Sterling Shepard coming back, with Kadarius Tony, who I, I know has has been sort of MIA for a lot of this offseason, but certainly a game breaking talent. He, he has the options. Forget about Darius Slayton to really have a breakout year on that front. And I think the best thing about that is you get sort of a clean evaluation environment. And you can say, without a doubt, all right, this guy is a high-level NFL quarterback, or he's not. And through two seasons, obviously, we've seen flashes, but by and large, he hasn't been that guy. Is there any reason to think that a year three jump is coming, or is he who he's been? That's a good question. Um, At times, you watch him and you say, okay, I see the jump. But then you watch him in game action and you and, and he's doing the same stuff he's done all along. And what I mean by that is the decision making. The one thing that drives me crazy about Daniel Jones is his post snap decision making. It's like if his first read isn't there, it's like, oh, my God, what do I do? What do I do? He stands there and he pats the ball. They call that burping the baby, I guess. And uh, he just stands <laughs> there and he's looking, looking. And sometimes he's late with his throws. Sometimes he misses guys. You know, it's interesting. I just wrote an article about that, about decision making. And um, I don't know if you saw the preseason finale, but the throw to Evan Ingram that was picked off, Part of that's on Evan Ingram, yes, but that throw probably should have never been made because it was thrown across Daniel Jones's body, off balance. It was just a bad decision. Um, then there was another throw that he he missed in the second quarter. It was a um, it was Devonta Booker was cr- streaking across the middle on a crossing pattern, and he was right in front of Daniel Jones, and he didn't see him. Daniel didn't see him, didn't throw the ball to him, and I think the pass went 
went outside the numbers and I think it went for an incompletion. So when you see things like that, you say, my God, Danny, what are you doing? You know, so he's got to morph from that game manager to a game winner. And right now, you know, I think the jury is still out. Now, head coach Joe Judge has said he's seen improvement in Daniel in his pre-snap and post-snap reads. I'll defer to, to Joe Judge because obviously he sees him every day. He sees a lot more than I see, but I need to see it in a game in order to say, yeah, Joe, you're you're absolutely right. Do you think, was there any thought in the draft of, of taking one of those two quarterbacks who was there? Or do you think it was not even a conversation? Because this organization is sort of, I, I don't know, I'm trying to think of the right phrase. They, they've sort of sealed their fate with Daniel Jones, right? And it, it almost feels like, at least his front office, um, like either he's going to win with them or, or they're all going to be gone in a, in a season. All right, guys, it's that time. Let's take our first break and talk about DirecTV. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about an easier way to get all that entertainment you love without all the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings you live TV and on-demand favorites like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. And this episode is also brought to you by Sweatblock. There are a few things in life that just aren't fun to talk about. One of them is excessive sweating. You know when you're sweating through your shirts for no reason, it's embarrassing, right? Some of you may know that I personally have dealt with this. I, I've, I cannot tell you the number of times as a broadcaster I've either been in the studio or in a gym and I'm just sweating through my shirt. It's the most frustrating thing in the world. It's the one time in your life you really, really need to look good. You need to look impressive. You need to look confident. And you raise your arms up to make a point, and there are just two big sweat stains on the armpit. It's horrible. Now, listen, I know this isn't life and death, and there are much worse problems in the world. But let's be honest. In the moment, it feels like a big deal. And that's why I use Sweatblock antiperspirant wipes. Sweatblocks is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night before bedtime. Go to bed the next morning, you wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying about sweat. Guaranteed. I know this will sound too good to be true, but I literally only have to use sweat block once or twice a week, and it keeps me dry the whole time. No more pitting out, no more picking my shirts based on which one will hide sweat better. If you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on or at Amazon and CVS. Yeah, I don't think there was any discussion of taking a quarterback. I know they always say, oh, we're going to take the best player available, but that's that's probably one of sports' as biggest, you know, lines, if you will. I, I never bought that. I mean, at some point, you know, especially in the first round, need and and um value have to marry up. So there was, they believe Daniel can be the franchise quarterback. And, you know, he's a smart kid. He's a hardworking kid, good leader. He has a lot of Eli Manning-like traits. That said, I think the biggest problem with the Giants, and I go back to 2000, you know, 2018, is, okay, they knew they needed a, a quarterback. They needed somebody to replace Eli Manning one day. But if you look at how other teams have done it, you know, like Kansas City and Buffalo, you know, teams that, that are really good, what do they all have in common? What they all have in common is they put the talent or the foundation around 
you know, be it the offensive line, the receivers, the tight ends, the running game. And then they brought in a young quarterback. All right. And then at that point, it's like, okay, they groomed the young quarterback and okay, what do we need? We need, oh, we need another wide receiver. Okay, we'll get it. Instead of having to scramble to to get like three or four good receivers. You know what I mean? So the Giants didn't do that with Daniel Jones. And I never understood the thinking behind that. I mean, wouldn't you want to have everything in place or as many pieces in place for your young quarterback so that he can step in and succeed? Or, you know, maybe not be, you know, Patrick Mahomes, like, which I think was a, a rare case, but at least give him a chance to succeed as opposed to putting him behind a revolving door offensive line, you know, receivers who were, you know, over the hill, you know, they brought in Golden Tate for Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, come on. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it goes back to what I was saying, right? You just, you don't have any means to know how good the guy is if you don't give him those options. And that's why it's worth making that investment. And if not, and you you get the right players at wide receiver and offensive line, you'll still have those guys, and those guys will have a lot of utility for whoever your next quarterback is. So I'm with you. I thought I think it's putting the cart before the horse to some extent. And the Giants, I mean, maybe maybe Daniel Jones would have had a better start to his career if, if those pieces had been in place. But at, at this point, to your point, there's no excuse, and I guess we'll, we'll get to see it. So the conversation that everyone is focused on this week, I mean, you, you, you were telling me yesterday you had to write a story about it, of course, is Saquon Barkley. And I, I guess my question isn't, like, it seems pretty clear his his usage is going to be fairly limited um, in this first game, or, or at least that's that's my assumption, and that's what Joe Judge has seemingly emphasized throughout the week. But what are sort of your expectations for this run game collectively throughout the year? Because I'm I'm with you. I feel like this offensive line for, I don't know if it's the third straight year, the fifth straight year, the seventh straight year, it feels like they're they're sort of relying on, on a hope and a prayer. And, and obviously, like someone like Andrew Thomas, you expect to make a jump in year two. Like, I, I still think even if that pick was relatively disappointing, given the, the three tackles going after him, probably all being better players, um, I, I still think he's going to be a, a solid option for them. But the rest of this line, like it still feels like that that that's what confused me about the money spent. I as as excited as I am to see Kenny Galladay, I would have preferred it and maybe this option just wasn't on the board for them. Like another guard, another tackle, like someone who can who can really give me confidence. Yeah, they're gonna be able to get a push. They're gonna be able to clearly protect Daniel Jones. But I don't know. I, I guess what I'm heading at is is how effective do you expect Saquon Barkley to be? throughout this year and will it just be the type of success he's had his whole career where it's two yards two yards two yards 65 yard run two yards two yards seven three four or or will he be a more consistent back this year that's a really good question that's a point that I think a lot of people you know when they talk about Saquon Barkley they don't really bring up he's he's pretty much a feast or famine type of runner um he does a lot of things well don't get me wrong I mean I'd like to see them use him more in the passing game. I don't think they have used him enough. You know, they 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 throw these little check downs, big big whoop. I mean, they're not really taking advantage of him um, and his speed and his ability to to create mismatches against um, you know defensive backs and linebackers. So I'd like to see that happen. But uh, but yeah, as far as expectations, you know, this is really weird with, with Saquon Barkley because. The Giants have brought him along slowly all summer long, even going back to the spring. They brought, they've gradually increased his workload, and now he's. it looks like he's going to play Sunday, um, which is great. I mean, we all kind of figured that's how it was trending. And then you would have thought that maybe they would slowly integrate him more because he really hasn't had live hits. Now, he's had them in practice, but it's not the same because in practice, as you know, it's a controlled environment. 
So Joe Judge yesterday was kind of suggesting, I think he hinted that, hey, he's cleared to play. He's going to play. You know, there's not going to be any restrictions or there's not going to be a leash on him or anything like that. He's just going to go out and he's going to play. And I question the wisdom of that because you've been so deliberate in bringing him back. And now you're going to just take the bubble wrap off and let him go from zero basically to, to a hundred miles per hour. You know, it just, it kind of reminds me a little bit of last year when, when the judge kept insisting Daniel Jones, who we all saw with our own eyes that the, that Daniel Jones couldn't walk properly, let alone how the heck was he going to protect himself? You know, after he had the, the uh, hamstring strain and Joe judge is like, Oh, he can go out there. He can protect himself. We feel confident. And I'm sitting there going, what is he seeing that I'm not seeing? And sure enough, we saw him go out in that Cardinal game and he got injured again and he had to miss another game. And, and then it came out later that that judge said, Oh, Danny was really hurt. And, you know, he, he probably should have been on IR, but you know, he's tough and he did. So you just wonder about some of that, that thought process and, I get it. You know, if a guy's healthy, you would expect him to go out there and play, but you also got to be smart. And I, I hope the Giants are going to be smart with Saquon Barkley because he has worked so hard to come back. And I'd hate to see him have any kind of setback that sends him back to square one. Um, you, you dropped another name I want to touch on. What, what sort of your take on Joe Judge coming into year two? Because to me, there, he's a little bit of an enigma because it seems like the, there was genuine buy-in, right? To, to, to the whole routine he was doing, like being a hard ass, like Really, really coaching guys hard, treating it like a, like a college team, points seemingly like a high school team with, with how aggressive he was about making guys run laps. Obviously, there's the whole thing with the offensive line coach a year ago. And yet, I would I would argue the Giants pretty much played up to their talent last year. Like, I can't really question the results relative to the roster. Um, but I'm curious where you're at on him coming into year two because it, it, it feels like, I mean, as much as this is an inflection point for the front office and Daniel Jones, I, I would almost argue that it's, it's unfair to say the same thing about Joe Judge because, frankly, if, if Jones isn't good or, or much improved, like I, I don't think that's that's on the head coach. There's not really much he can do about that. So I'm, I'm curious, if, if is there anything – I mean, obviously there's stuff he could do to get fired this year, but but do you, do you see this year having the same importance to, to his job status and his future with the team as it does Gettleman and Jones, or, or is he a little bit safer? I think he's safer. I mean, you know, is, is Judge perfect? No. And he'll be the first one to tell you that. But I think he does a lot more right than he does wrong. And it's interesting because, you know, I go back and I've been covering the team for about 30 years now. And I can count on, you know, one hand, the number of times I can say that I've disagreed with something the judge has done. I can go back to Coughlin and say that maybe all right, two hands, I can count on the number of times he's did, he did something that I disagreed with, you know, and, and that proved, I proved to be right on it, by the way. Then I look at, you know, Shermer and McAdoo and I say, oh my gosh, what were they thinking? You know, what, 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 what was going on there? So I think Joe, the, the good thing about him is when he came in, he gave a very impassionate speech and, and about winning and restoring pride. And, you know, we've heard this so many times before from other coaches, not just with the Giants, but you pick the sport team and you probably have heard the same speech. The, the, the Knicks have had their fair share. Yes. So, I mean, but here's the difference. Some guys can talk a good game, but they don't have the first clue how to accomplish this. You know, it's like, okay, I just said a real, really good speech. I got the buy-in. Now what do I do? Joe's always had a plan. And it's a basic plan. It's a simple plan. 
but it's worked so far. Now, does it have to start translating into more wins? Absolutely. But, you know, you also look at last year and there were maybe, I want to say maybe three games that could have gone the other way that the Giants lost. And if they win those games, and I know, you know, what would have, could have, should have, didn't. But if they had won those games, then we wouldn't be talking about maybe, you know, is this a make or break year for anybody? We, we, we would be talking about the Giants being the defending NFC East champions. So, you know, it, it's really the key thing is you want to keep guys from, by, that are bought in. And I spoke with Sterling Shepard for my show um, Friday, that interview appeared. And Shepard said, you know, I've been on teams where guys have pretty much given up and mailed it in. And he said, last year, we didn't mail it in, you know, even though there were some bumps along the way and some, some times where we were maybe questioning whether or not we were heading the right direction, nobody mailed it in. And I think that's the difference. And that starts with the head coach and judge is a motivator. And the thing I like about him is he doesn't sit in the golden castle, as I call it, and just pass down orders through his underlings. He will come down, look guys in the eye say, okay, guys, we're going to run laps today, but here's why we're going to run laps. Not just, oh, we're going to run laps because I feel like being an SOB and I'm going to make you run because I didn't like the way you guys rolled up your pants during practice. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I think creates buy-in. You know, he treats those guys like, like grown men, not like children. He expects them to do the right thing. He, he backs them. I mean, he's very fiercely protective of them. And I think he gets it. I really do. Now, will that translate into success? We'll find out. But, you know, his pedigree coming from New England and, and before that from Alabama um, certainly has set him up for success. So I feel good about him. And I, I'm fairly confident when I say that I don't think he's in any danger this year. All right, guys, let's take our second and final break and tell you about our all-time favorite Built Bar. Did you know Built Bar has so many delicious flavors? There's something for everyone. When you talk to a Bilt Bar fan, they're always passionate about their faves. If you don't know the Bilt Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. There's coconut, cherry, barcia, raspberry, mint, brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and of course, German chocolate. Know what my favorite flavor is? It's coconut, obviously. I am just, I'm a sucker for anything coconut. Pina colada, uh, but, but especially coconut with like some sugar. Oh, I, I throw it in my oatmeal. It is just spectacular. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can always get a mix box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only Built Bar flavors the best tasting, they're relatively healthy too. They have 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only four to five grams of sugar. That's the big thing for me. So many times with workout bars, you look and it's 26 grams of sugar and you're saying, how is this good for me? This isn't sustainable. And only four to five grams of net carbs, which is just awesome. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Order today and get the Grasshopper Bar or Raspberry or whatever you like. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Isn't that neat? So just remember to go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Com. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turned to football. Teams are back on the gridiron to start the season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this year. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half million dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest two hundred thousand dollar NFL Survivor contest. Open now at Bet Online. You can head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your hundred percent welcome bonus if you use our promo code Locked On. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, 
Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think he has, he has this season and probably one more, especially if there is a new quarterback to figure things out. All right, um, just uh, before we get into like one final big picture question, I wanted to ask you about the defense because the Giants, I would almost argue, and maybe this is the ultimate feather in, in Joe Judge's cap, played above their talent on that end of the field. They, they were only about average by DVOA, but I would question if they even had average talent last season on that end. Obviously, guys like Leonard Williams really stepped up and surprised me and played up to their talent level. Um, as far as I'm, I'm remembering, outside of Adoree Jackson, not really a ton of major additions on that end. What, what do you sort of expect? Do you, do you think there's another step forward for this team? Is there a little bit of a regression given that, again, I could be totally off on this, but I, I feel like the talent level isn't outstanding, especially when you look at a team like the Redskins in the same, oh my God, I said it, the Washington football team, my fault, um, in, in, in the same division that have all this outstanding young talent. Um, I, I just, I don't really, there's, there's not a lot there that excites me, but, but maybe that's just for, for lack of knowledge, Patricia. Is there a reason I should be excited about the Giants defense? Yeah, I think the Giants defense is going to be better. Um, Patrick Graham, I mean, right there, if you're not excited about Patrick Graham, then, you know, I don't know what else is going to get you excited, but here's the thing. Um, Patrick Graham is like a mad scientist. And I mean that in a good way. He's got so many options, so many more, um, so much more talent that I think that he had a year ago, you know, Adoree Jackson, um, they, they add, they're getting Xavier McKinney for a full season fingers crossed. They added Aziz Ojulari on the edge. You know, they're getting back Lorenzo Carter. They're getting back um, O'Shane Zimenez, another couple of young edge rushers. Um, Dexter Lawrence is in year three. So if you're Patrick Graham and then you've got that safety group, oh my goodness, you know, Logan, Logan Ryan, Peppers, uh, McKinney, Julian Love, which those guys can do any number of things. So if you're Patrick Graham, you're sitting there and you're going, my God, just think of all the combinations I can come up with, you know, to to thwart guys. And I always say this when it comes with a new coaching staff in the NFL. I always say that a new coaching staff, if they are lucky, can catch the league off guard because teams don't have film on them. They don't know how how they're going to trend, how they're going to think, how they're going to deploy personnel. Once they have film on a guy, then it becomes maybe a tad easier to catch up with them. That said, I think Patrick Graham is so brilliant with what he does and how he comes up with different schemes. I mean, this is a guy, remember, who can draw up a a, a play on a chalkboard the night before a game, put it in, they don't even practice it, and and boom, they they execute it. I mean, just look at the two-point conversion play in the first game against the in the first game against Washington last year. That was a play that they put in the night before, didn't even practice, and they were able to pull it off. So I I just think that, you know, Patrick Graham, if you're looking for a reason to be excited about this defense, you got to start there because he's so creative, he's so innovative, and, you know, he's got the pieces now to do what I think he wants to do, whereas last year he was lacking, you know, the depth at cornerback to, to run a lot of man coverage, so they had to run a lot of zone um, with mixed results, you know, he's got a slightly better pass rush. I think, you know, Leonard Williams is coming back. Dexter Lawrence, an underrated guy on that defense. We don't talk about a lot, but you know, I think we need to. So yeah, there's, I think there's plenty to be excited about there. 
All right, you, you convinced me. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna be watching after that in the first game. I'm a, a little more hyped than I was coming into this podcast. Who's um speaking of the first game, is there one newcomer, whether a rookie or a free agent, that you're particularly excited to see? Oh wow. Um there's there's not one. There's probably yeah, I, I really want to I, w- I want to see what Kadarius Tony is all about because I, I watched a lot of Well, Kadarius Tony. Yeah, I I think Kadarius Tony, what we'll probably see with him is he'll I think he's going to be the kickoff returner and you might see him here and there on offense, but I think Sterling Shepard's going to do most of the slot work. Just my gut feeling. Um, they're going to bring him back a little slowly, I think, because he's missed so much time. Um, I think the guy I'm very curious to see, well, well, there's, I'll give you one on each side of the ball. How's that? I'm curious to see um, Kyle Rudolph, who is a tremendous red zone threat. I think I just wrote an article on that um, that's coming out on Giants Country a little later today. 40 out of 48 career touchdown passes have come inside the red zone. And this is a guy who has had one drop ball between 2018 and 2020. All right. You can't, I mean, compared to what the Giants have had in the past, that's going to be a big, big addition to the offense. And, uh, you know, Kenny Galladay, I know I don't want to I don't want to leave him out, but Kyle Rudolph is the one that I'm really anxious to see and and excited to see. On defense, I think the newcomer that I'm most excited to see, and he's he's gradually going to get worked into the rotation here, but I would not be surprised if he's starting by the end of the season, is Aziz Ojulari, the pass rusher. Now, I thought in the preseason finale, the Giants had some issues with stopping the run and setting the edge. So I was a little concerned with that. Um, Ojulari, I'm hoping he can step in there and he can be an every down type of of outside linebacker. Because right now, um, if there's an area that I'm concerned about with the defense, based on what I saw in the preseason, it's the run defense. I didn't think it was as sharp as it's been in the past. And um, hopefully they can they can pick that up. But I think the pass rush is going to be a lot better, given the t- the upgrades on the on the back end of the defense. And um, again, it's just these guys have to kind of fall in and kind of feel their way around and carve out and show that it, it, it's going to be a process. You know, the coaches, even though they they have a better idea of what these guys can do and what they can't do, you're going to find out more things about them as you play games and as scenarios unfold. So it's, it's, it's going to be a great process to see. And those are a couple of guys that I, I'm just very curious to see how they work out. All right. We'll wrap up with this. What is your prediction for the Giants record this year? And uh, yeah, I guess that, 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 that's really it. Where, where do you think they finish? I think they finish second in the division. I think they, they have a chance at a wild card. I, I, you know, everybody's saying Dallas is going to win. I don't get the fascination with Dallas every year. I really don't. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, I covered the Giants. I don't get the fascination. I mean, the, the, that defense, you know, I need to see more from that Cowboys defense. I'm sorry. And and now they have, they, they just lost Lyle Collins to a suspension. I think it's five or six games. It's like, come on. So I think the team to watch in the NFC East is going to be Washington. I love Ron Rivera and what he has done down there. That defense, oh, man. I mean, if they get decent play out of Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback, that team is going to be unstoppable. The Giants, I think they finished second. Um, I think they they teeter on on, uh, a playoff 
a berth, a wild card berth. Um, a lot's going to depend, obviously, on the offense and if the offense can rise from their 31st ranking that they had last year. So um, I'm going to say, you know, given that, if, if you're asking me for a record, the Giants would have to win at least nine games, I think, to, to qualify for a postseason. I think 10 to 11 will be make it even more comfortable, but I think nine games is not out of the question. But um, I'd like to see them maybe get to 11 if they can. I think that's just being a little bit ambitious on my part, but um, you never know. Patricia, I, I love the optimism. Uh, I love listening to you talk about the Giants. It, it, it's great to have this for the second season in a row. For me and for, for all of our listeners as, as a refresher on where the team is at, and obviously everyone can go check you out anywhere podcasts are found on Locked on Giants. But can you tell everyone where, where they can find the rest of your work? Yeah, I'm also on YouTube now. So our, the Locked on Giants podcast moved to YouTube. We just finished our first month. So check us out, subscribe and like, and hit that little bell button for, for notifications. Um, you can find me over on GiantsCountry.com, which is the SI Fan Nation channel that I run and write for. You can also find me on Twitter at Patricia underscore Traina. And, um, you know, I, I'm very active on social media. So drop me a line if you want to ask a question. I run mailbags. I run listener mailbags on the, on the podcast. And uh, just I enjoy talking giant football with everybody. So, you know, hit me up. All right. Thank you so much, Patricia. A reminder, in case you missed it again, we Alex Wolf was joined by John Butchko. If you're a Jets fan, I, I'd be amazed if you listened to all this, but we really appreciate it if you did. And tomorrow we will get back into Nick's conversation with Philip Rossman-Reich, the host of Lost, Locked on Magic, talking Evan Fournier and Dwayne Bacon. So all that and more to come. Thanks to Patricia, and we'll talk to you guys soon.